Support for IPR comes from Orchestra Iowa, presenting Pops on the River, an outdoor concert experience with songs from the Eagles featuring the Seven Bridges Band and the entire symphony. June 1st at McGrath Amphitheater. Tickets at orchestraiowa.com. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. Later this hour, the war in Ukraine rages on as the long, cold winter bears down. I'll check in with Viktor Soloviev, a Ukrainian living in Iowa City, and we'll talk about how he and his family are enduring this conflict and how he sees things shifting. But first... It is the holiday season, and this is a time of year when many of us look for opportunities to do some good in the world. Becky Smoke sees those opportunities everywhere she looks. She is a mindfulness leadership consultant and speaker and founder of Becky's Mindful Kitchen near Iowa City. Hello, Becky. Good morning. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, welcome back. And I think the best place to start is by talking about the definition of kindness. It's a word we use a lot. We encourage people to be kind. We want to be kind ourselves. But I think that a lot of us probably haven't spent a lot of time really thinking about what it means. And you have. So <laughs> tell me tell um, me how you see kindness. Yeah. So I think um, a good way to look at it is look at kindness versus like being kind versus being nice. Um, so when if I'm doing something to be nice, I'm doing it based on how I want other people to see me or my motivation is in kind of external things, other people, whereas being kind like that comes from within. And so how I feel after doing something, an act of kindness is not dependent on another person's reaction or, or you know, their response. It, it is that I'm being driven by my own desire to do good, whereas um, I think we get caught up around this time of year in wanting to be nice and doing things to be nice. And then if we don't get that thank you or somebody doesn't seem to appreciate our gift, we get upset. And then that impacts our mood for the rest of the day. Yeah. So even if someone sees you being kind, that doesn't reduce the act that some people might see you and think, wow, Becky's a really kind woman. Yeah, and no, so you, totally you, get that. That, right? <laughs> you get that benefit anyway. But you're saying it's it's an intrinsic feeling. Yeah. And, and for me, it's also more action based. So kindness is in something like compassion, right? Um, it's it's action based. It's looking for these opportunities to simply do good in this world. And we often, I think, don't do a lot of those kind acts because we think they have to be really big or we see, you know, the Oprah's and the Ellen's um, doing that. But kindness, it doesn't have to be big. It's it's small. You don't even have to, you know, leave your house to do something kind. You can just simply go and write a nice review for somebody or send an email. So we, we got to kind of make it smaller to make it a habit. All right. So let's talk about some of the smaller acts of kindness. I mean, it, it is a time of year where, of course, nonprofits that are doing big things for their communities are asking for your investment. It is a season of giving in that way. And that's great. But let's let's talk smaller. Let's focus smaller. So uh, when you, for example, when you are out and about running errands, that's a moment when you are looking for opportunities to be kind. Tell me about that. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I'm a competitive person. And so I make it a competition with myself every time I go anywhere. And, and honestly, the only place I go are Costco, Aldi's, and um, Trader Joe's <laughs> is like my go-to. But um, I try to see how many genuine compliments I can give people and how many uh, moments of, of connection, how many just like, and then also acts of kindness I can catch other people doing and then use the opportunity to recognize it. Because I think a really important thing to do is if you see somebody being kind, I can like 
go in and let them know you saw that and you appreciate it because the chances of them doing it again did just go up. So it's, um, you know, one thing is, is if you're not in a rush when you're at the store, uh, I did this the other day when I was at Costco and you see an amazing parking spot and if there's someone behind you, just don't take that spot. Let them take it. And, and the, to that nice versus kind, I doubt that person ever like thinking, oh my gosh, she's amazing. I'm so glad she did that. They're thinking like, ha she didn't catch that spot. But it doesn't matter. Or just smiling at someone, you know, sharing those laughters. I left Costco the other day, like my cheeks hurt from laughing, laughing and smiling. And it, we have those times of, you know, feeling overwhelmed, like, oh, great, I have to go to the store. I have to do this. Just change your mindset and, and have fun with it and connect with people and, and see how it changes. And I think about those moments that have happened organically in my life and how they really shift my mood. So when you think about the impact of these acts of kindness on others, we'll talk about how they impact you too, but on on others, what do you think happens? Well, to me, this goes back to stories. And we often... um, tell ourselves stories as to why other people do things and their motivations. And we, uh, I like to remind people, like, you're not that special. Like, people are not acting a certain way or doing things because of you, especially strangers. Um, and so when I when I think about how, you know, I have these opportunities of to have an impact on someone's life, and it can be positive, negative, or, or neutral. And I'm going to always try to do positive because I have no idea what their story is. I have no idea what's going on in their lives. And this time of year, more than any, there's so many people out there who are going into this holiday season without a loved one in their life. And I can think of a few very close friends in our community um, who, who are in that situation. And there's somebody just Again, at Costco, guys, that's all I do is at Costco. Um, so I was talking to this this employee there who shared with me that she lost her husband um, the other uh, two months ago and just how hard the season was. And so keeping that in mind, knowing you don't know somebody's story, even if someone seems rude or they, they're kind of a jerk to you, still be kind because we don't allow public grieving to be accepted in the same way we do anger. And so that's just that's my constant reminder to myself. I don't know their story. That's so interesting. I had an experience, this was many years ago, where I did something dumb in traffic, but I was really upset. I was really about upset about something that was really difficult in my life, and I cut somebody off. And that was like a moment of epiphany where I thought, wait, every time somebody does something like that to me when they're driving, I don't need to feel angry at them because who knows what they're dealing with? Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, in my mind, people are... <laughs> constantly facing tragedy um, when they're driving. It's, it's my go-to. I'm like, oh my gosh. That's my, I, I, I think a lot of us are. <laughs> yeah. And, but it is that thing of just knowing again, thinking of how many times you have had a hard day and chances are, you know, someone maybe did open the door for you and you didn't say thank you because you didn't even notice it because we're so in our heads. And so that's just, again, if we can and take that compassion with us and understand that just because other people are grieving this holiday season, it doesn't mean that you can't feel joy and be happy. You know, it's not it's not a or situation. It's an and. Like we can be compassionate right. for that and feel our own joy. So 
you may be making somebody's day. You may just not be making somebody's day worse <laughs> through your interactions. But I also, to go back to, to that epiphany that I had, it changed my outlook because suddenly I was able to let go of the anger so much more easily. If something frustrating happened, I was just able to let that go. And so it changed how I felt on a daily basis. That's kind of a, a neutral thing. But here you are connecting with people, doing kind things for people, and and really making an effort to connect with people. How does that feel to you? Yeah, so it's it feels good. Uh, it feels really good. Um, so you want to throw the, the spin and be like, it feels horrible. No, it feels good because when we do um, acts of kindness, when we engage in acts of compassion, we get a release of dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin. Like It does make us feel good. And, and that's doesn't mean that it's, you know, again, your motivation is therefore like selfish and all that. Like we don't get caught up in that. No, it feels good. And I know for me, when I'm feeling anxious, when I'm feeling just overwhelmed and stressed out, my kind of cure to that, my reaction to that, what I do is engage in acts of kindness. And it does just kind of take me out of my own kind of bubble, expands my my perspective and in that connection it is beautiful. And that's why like I'm I take with me little gifts <laughs> in my purse. Like I'm that person who so if I see a kid who's, you know, behaving really well in the store, it's like take a moment and like you know, you know, with their parents' permission, giving them a little gift, you know, and, and doing little things like that. It just it's it's a game changer for me of how I then view things that used to stress me out. In in thinking about how you're connecting with strangers, there's certainly a randomness to that. And I actually, just on a personal level, I've had a little bit of a problem with that phrase, random acts of kindness, because I feel like kindness is usually intentional and should be intentional. And you can make a bigger impact with intentional acts of kindness. And so now I want I want a new phrase because there is a randomness there to your acts of kindness, although it's also intentional. So I think these are mindful acts of kindness. Ooh, I like that. Well done. You can be in charge of branding from now on. Okay. Um, new job. Uh, no, it's I, I think the randomness is on the receiver's end. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it I I agree with you. And I struggle with people who um, believe that you don't have to build a habit of, of kindness because, my goodness, we're busy human beings. And even I, I think probably every single person listening to this, if they listen to your show, they're they're good people. They're kind people. Otherwise, they would not be listening to you every day. Uh, and so there's you know, a, a reaction often when I talk about kindness that people are like, I'm already kind, Becky. Well, yes, I did not say you're not kind. What all I'm saying is, we're, we're missing out on these opportunities. And it's just simply starts with observing and looking for them and being aware of it. And, you know, doing them, seeing how it makes you feel and, and then getting curious about like, okay, what else can I do? And, and extending that kindness to yourself as well. And, and it sure makes a trip to the store sound much more enjoyable. It is so fun. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're just going to start talking about this and then we're going to have to take a break. But, you know, this is also the time of year that those of us who have families to gather with, of course, are preparing for the holiday season. And there's a lot of buying of gifts and planning of food and, you know, wrangling schedules. And, and those are all very nice things <laughs> and important things. But you also want us to be sure that we're bringing compassion to those interactions with family because it can be such a stressful time of year. And a lot of us also have 
old difficulties with members of our families. So just you have about 30 seconds before we have to go back to the break. Um, But then we'll talk more about it later. So just in thinking about your mindset as you gather with your family, what's the first thing that you should be doing? Ooh, okay, 30 seconds. Um, the, The first thing you should do is not go into it thinking like, I have to like everybody or even find the good in everybody I'm gathering with, but instead like, Get curious and be interested in people and have the like challenge. Again, I'm a competitive person, but like what's one new thing I can learn about this person? And in that kind of gosh during the break is uh looking at again, what are they doing that you don't want to do yourself? And let that inspire you. All right. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. With me today is Becky Smoke. She is a mindfulness leadership consultant and speaker and founder of Becky's Mindful Kitchen near Iowa City. This is Talk of Iowa from IPR News. Support for IPR comes from Orchestra Iowa, presenting Pops on the River, an outdoor concert experience with songs from the Eagles, featuring the Seven Bridges Band and the entire symphony. June 1st at McGrath Amphitheater. Tickets at orchestraiowa.com. This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. Coming up in about 15 minutes, I'll talk with Viktor Soloviev. He's a Ukrainian living in Iowa City, and I've talked with him many times since Russia invaded Ukraine last February. We're going to check in and see how he and his family are enduring this conflict and also how he sees things shifting in the landscape. Right now, we're talking about mindfulness and the holiday season. Becky Smoke is here. She is a mindfulness leadership consultant and speaker and the founder of Becky's Mindful Kitchen near Iowa City. And all right, Becky, before the break, we were talking about how, you know, this is a time of year with a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, a lot of responsibilities. And we get together, if we're lucky, we get together with our families. And even that can bring some real stress because there's a lot going on. You're put in close proximity. You may have differences with people in your family. So just before the break, we were talking about bringing compassion to those interactions with your family because there's there's bound to be some stress in in many families but you are in control of of yourself and and how you respond to those situations so you were talking about bringing interest thinking about learning new things about family members there are going to be moments when you get angry or when you want to get angry in a lot of families how do you recommend that we handle that moment um so (laughs) uh because i know my family listens to this i will i will say this in in a way that will not get me in trouble um hypothetically hypothetically should i have ever gotten you know upset or frustrated with a family member um no it's it's moving to that place and you know, my kind of expertise is in stoic philosophy, which is really focused on understanding what's in your control and what isn't. And and I always say, like, I have lots of emotions, but I try not to let my emotions have me. And so if I start to get angry and noticing that, and I, and I talk about, you know, feeling like you're getting to a simmer versus like at a boil, um, is, is always re- my default is 
getting curious and be like, whoa, okay, what just happened here? Is this a case where somebody, you know, said something? Well, what do they actually say? So really pay attention. My advice is on listening to the words and not the tone of voice of what people says, you know, or the story that you're telling yourselves. And then also, if a family member is rude to you or they just are being not kind, using it as a place of a reminder of like, this is how I don't want to be. How am I actually maybe possibly acting like this myself? Like, what do I do that's similar to this person and making changes from that? And then just understand that everyone's human. And we, again, even our family, we don't know the full story. We really don't necessarily know what's going on with, you know, Uncle Ted's life in the way that, that perhaps we, we know our own. You mentioned the, the simmer versus a boil. Tell me more about what that means. Okay, that's one of my favorite, and it's great if you have young kids or any age of kids, uh, do this at home and get a pot of water going and start heating it up. And so when you get to a simmer, a lot of us, especially this time of year, are walking around at a simmer. And when you're at a simmer, it doesn't take much to get to a boil. And so what seems like an overreaction or somebody kind of just making a big deal out of something, you know, it, it, to them, it's, they were already at a simmer that little thing is what took to get a boil. So it doesn't feel like an overreaction to them. It just looks like it to people on the outside. Mm-hmm. And so I teach people that idea of like communication using words. Being able to say like, hey, I'm at a simmer right now. Well, that that lets people know like, okay, everything, she's on edge to that. So if you say something and, uh, you know, the other person snaps at you, you understand why. Oh, okay, they're at a simmer. And if you can notice in yourself what it feels like when you're getting to a simmer, like when you're kind of the heat's rising, and, and take the moment to turn down the temp to cool down then, you avoid getting to that boil. And it's when we get to that boil that uh, the the stories of Christmas um, with relatives happen and are made <laughs> <laughs> and are shared of when so-and-so lost it over, you know, the, the Christmas tree decorations. Um, that's what a boil looks like. So there's a phenomenon that I have certainly experienced, and I know others who have experienced this as well, and I've, I've even read about it, so I know, I know I'm not alone in this, where when I go back to my family home, there are old patterns that I have left behind that reemerge almost instantaneously. It's almost like I walk into my parents' house and teenage charity is just lurking. And so something that somebody says or does can set me off in a way that would have set me off when I was 17 years old and I am 47 years old and I don't respond that way anymore. So, <laughs> so help, the, help the, the image is awesome too, of her really like lurking and waiting for you. Um, I'm back. Um, so when – yes. Um, and, and I live um, just – hop, skip, and a jump away from my parents. And so I've got an opportunity to to kind of like experience that and move beyond it. My advice is this. If that's you and that happens to you, just knowing that alone, going into it, and the moment you recognize it, be like, oh, hello there. Like, hey, 17-year-old Cherry Lee. And just like having fun with it and not like trying to avoid it and be like, oh, isn't that interesting? And it's all about just being curious. And then speaking about it like being able to own it and be like whoa like hold on (laughs) you know like guys like I'm sorry (laughs) I shouldn't and just I think we we gotta just leave more room for being human and around the holidays and um, I got a shirt from um, one of my my summer camp parents that says like be a good human so one I'm wearing today and I love the idea of being a good human 
doesn't mean being a perfect human or not making mistakes. It's being just a good human being, which means like speaking about the hard stuff, going in and telling, you know, letting your own kids know, hey, if you see mom act like you, <laughs> let me know because I'm trying to work on it. And then if you catch yourself not doing it, like be really proud of yourself and really just get like, again, enjoy those moments. I think it's not something to be afraid of, but something to just be really curious about. Along those same lines, some of the conflict that we can experience with family, with people that we love when we're all together is not about what is happening now or even what is being said now, but it's old baggage that we haven't let go <laughs> that that really can cause a situation to boil over. So you were talking about being mindful of what is actually being said. Yes. Let's talk a little bit more about how to do oh that. This is, my fa- <laughs> this is my favorite thing, which I say about too many things. I'm fully aware of that. It's a bad habit. But my favorite thing is uh, to teach uh, to groups when it comes to mu- communication is something called word check. So we spell check things a lot. We don't always check the words being used. And so making sure that you're not speaking in in judgment. So you're not like say, calling somebody lazy. You know, that's a judgment word. Well, what are they actually doing? So getting specific on it. And then on the flip side, what we hear, we often hear judgment and, and story, and we don't actually hear what somebody's saying. And so we hear the stories of the past. So when somebody, you know, if, you know, a relative asks you a question about work, well, you don't hear the actual question. You hear all the, you know, the past baggage of maybe a time that you struggled with your career and, oh, they doubted me or they don't think I'm doing a good job. And, and we respond to the story. And, and also you, yeah, you're middle of a big family argument and you can't even remember what it's about. Right. Or like your mother says, wow, there are a lot of dirty dishes. And instead of feeling like that's a moment of sympathy, you feel like you're being criticized. Or it's just a simple fact. Like, yeah, there are. Like, and the only thing you need to respond to is that. Like, if someone says, hey, why didn't you unload the dishwasher? All you have to do is answer that question. You don't have to make a big deal out of it. And a lot of conflict happens because of that. Again, we're we're responding to the story um, and not the words. And so using just, again, the phrase word check um, check. to yourself. All right. Simmer, boil, word check. Yeah. This This is your toolbox. (laughs) It is. And, And I'm guilty of it, too. My husband, you know, said to me the other day, he was like, hey, like, let's check the words. Um, what did I actually say? And I have to remind him, like, hey, the stuff that I teach and talk about doesn't apply to me. <laughs> like, I have to remind him that all the time. Like, this is... <laughs> <laughs> this is right, a rule, yeah. Right. I'm talking with Becky Smoke. She is a mindfulness leadership consultant and speaker and founder of Becky's Mindful Kitchen. And we have a few minutes left. And I, I do want to talk about this time of year for so many people is so stressful. There is usually in a family, there is one person that is primarily responsible for making the magic happen in their family. And it gets to be really, really overwhelming. In fact, um, I'm one of those people. And I was just thinking this morning that I feel like my head is in a vice. I'm like, that's that's the point in the holiday season that I have reached where I'm like, Okay, <laughs> I don't know if I can actually do this, which doesn't feel very festive and it doesn't feel very kind and it doesn't feel very fun. And yet it it's a pattern that I can't break free of. You are the busiest woman I know during the holiday season. The holidays are, are something that, that is a big part of your business and a big part of who you are as a person. So, Becky... How do you how do you deal with all of those responsibilities 
and all of those pressures and all of the rest of life at the same time and then really find the joy beyond that. (laughs) So first of all, if you ask anybody before the holidays, like, are you like, are you busy? The answer is yes. And so recognizing we are all busy human beings and then we have the holidays, of course it's stressful. But my my advice is always is understanding like you don't have to do all of the things and really understanding the purpose of traditions. Because if if a tradition is no longer like bringing joy and happiness and it's just stressful, well, it's time to let it go and it's okay because we get super caught up, Charity, in in trying to make all these moments, these special moments happen to make the holidays special that, well, we lose out on the actual moments that make the holidays special. And so just checking expectations, making sure that we're not doing something because we think we're supposed to do it. And again, nice versus kind. How do we want other people to see us? Are we doing all these festive things because we want the other, I'm speaking as a mom, the other moms to be like, oh, wow, Becky's awesome during the holidays. Or like she's, you know, a good mom. You know, so just really understanding the purpose of it. And then for me, how do I not get overwhelmed? Well, it's being actually very intentional on the choices I make. The stuff I do, I do because I love it. I don't do certain things. I know my limitations. Know what your limitations are and and just don't don't push beyond that. I mean, I will not – I don't take my kids to the Nutcracker. And some people have that amazing tradition. I've thought about it and I've had to realize like, ah, if I do that, I got to let go of something else. So if I'm going to bring on a new tradition, I make sure I let go of, of another one there. And so just – it's, it's hard to do to sometimes limit yourself. And if you ever were at my house, you would think that Christmas exploded all over it. Um, and so that's an area I will not limit myself, but I will limit myself in other, other places. Yeah, so. My daughter asked me recently, she's like, Mom, why don't we ever make cutout cookies? And I said, because I can't. I can't. <laughs> it's <laughs> the, not my thing. The stress, the stress when I make cutout cookies, it mounts and I end up being angry and frustrated. Whereas making another kind of cookie, I can feel happy and joyful. And so that's perfect. And I think it's it's so important to, to again, like understand that the holidays are going to happen whether or not some of these other things that we consider traditions um, happen too. And so make, if something is causing you stress, let it go. Don't do it. It's not worth it. It's not the lesson you want to teach those around you. But here's here's the thing, and, and I have gotten better about this, um, but I think about it, especially when my kids were younger. And I, I just felt like there were so many things that I needed to do to create the magic for my kids and for the rest of my family. And I couldn't find the joy for me. It felt like so much work. And so I was kind of like a holiday martyr. Mm -hmm. But it also felt important to do those things for everyone else. If I have to let something go, I'm letting somebody down. But are you? Because if mom is not stressed out and she's happy and having fun, I'm pretty sure that's the magic. Like that is what, if, again, we, we over, we think about all the stuff that maybe our parents did when we were kids. Well, we were also as a society, not as busy as we are today. And we, we keep like, and then we see on social media what other people are doing. We're like, oh, I need to do that too. Or this awesome new thing's going on. And we just start doing more and more and more. And, and it gets to be too much. I said to my own daughter yesterday, I was like, oh my God, we are so behind on our Christmas movies that we have to watch. Um, (laughs) I laughed. I was like, no, no, no. 
We don't and have to. We don't have to be behind on, on anything. <laughs> like, this is so silly. And so you're not letting anyone down because, again, chances are they don't care. But we have to, as I'm speaking as a mom again, and I'm going to just make a generalization. A lot of times it's on the moms. But um, I don't want my kids to associate Christmas time with mom being stressed out. I want them to associate with just like with the joy and the happiness and they're not going to care about all the little things. It's it's those those moments of calm, of pause, of just like reflection and just of pure joy that that's where the magic is. And you can't have those if we're too busy. Clearly, again, there's there's an element of mindfulness here, too, because things do pile up even if you have the best intentions not to let them. And, you know, last weekend, somebody said last weekend is the busiest holiday weekend because it's the weekend that that everybody plans their events. So I knew people who were doing three different events last Saturday. And <laughs> I wasn't, I promise you. <laughs> but when you're caught up in that whirlwind and you are feeling stressed out and you've got a lot of things just on your calendar, what do you do to take a moment to make sure that you're in the moment and enjoying or or at least experiencing what's going on. I immediately look for which balls are made out of glass and which ones are out of plastic. So some balls can drop and everything's going to be okay. I get it. Some ones, like they're glass. You don't want to drop them. We'll keep those up in the air. So I let I let all the plastic ones drop and bounce away and, and I let it go. And and then I get to, again, reevaluate. And I think the, the best thing is, that awareness, that mindfulness of if I'm starting to feel stressed out about something that's about like joy, like gifts or, or spending time, just don't don't turn to judgment. Don't get down on yourself. Just default to the curiosity and be like, what's going on? Talk about it to your children. Own it and say, hey, here's where, I'm, here's where mom's at. You know, here's where dad's at. And like, I think we need to let this go and explain why and make it part of just the communication, the conversation that's happening in your household. And that way, it's not you haven't made the decision. It's, it's a family decision. And you're at the same time teaching such a valuable skill of mindfulness and letting go of stuff. You were talking about thinking about the things that really do bring you joy. Is that also a useful exercise to think back about the things in your past that have brought you joy so that that maybe you don't get caught up in all the stuff? <laughs> um, is that a question? Or I think if that was a statement on that one, like, you know, like this is what I've done. No, it, I, yes, yes and no, because things that brought you joy in the past maybe no longer will. You're a different person. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sometimes a problem is we try to bring all those things from our past into the present. And, um, and maybe you're not the person that enjoys that anymore. And that's okay. But more importantly, Charity, I think it's looking to the purpose of, of the things that you do over the holidays. What is the purpose? And if the purpose is involved in making just other people happy and doing that, and none of it is bringing you anything, well, then it's time to to drop some of those traditions. Becky Smoke, thank you so much. Thank you. Becky Smoke is a leadership and leadership consultant and speaker on mindfulness. She's the founder of Becky's Mindful Kitchen near Iowa City. You can find out more online. This is Talk of Iowa from IPR News. This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion. 
the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. It's been nearly 10 months since Russia invaded Ukraine. The brutal attacks continue daily with tens of thousands of potential war crimes committed against the people of Ukraine. It's estimated that there are 7.6 million Ukrainian refugees who fled the country and those still in the country are facing the long, cold winter with an energy crisis created by Russia's attacks on infrastructure. Viktor Soloviev is Ukrainian, and when the war began, he was completing his master's degree in the Department of Sociology and Criminology at the University of Iowa. He formerly taught at the Tara Shevchenko National University of Kiev, and he is back with me now. Hello, Viktor. Hi, Charity. I'm happy, happy to be here again. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you here. And Victor, I, I want to start with you and your family first, because um, last time we talked, you were in a difficult situation because you had completed your master's degree. And because of your immigration status, you were not able to work. So you and your wife, your child and your in-laws were all living here in Iowa City without income. So tell me what your status is now. Yeah, everything is perfect right now. I got my work authorization two months ago. And of course, I found the work. Uh, but in London's office for the company where I worked for uh, before, okay, uh, in the field, which is uh, interesting for me. It's anti-corruption. And now uh, I'm one of the expert or senior consultant, to, to, to say it officially, who drafted uh, policies for the biggest international companies. Um, so I'm happy to, to, to have such a responsible yeah. Job. So you're working remotely. Yes, correct. In England, basically yes. now. Yeah. Okay, that was still a long period of time when you had to wait for your work visa. What did that feel like? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's difficult to describe because it's it's my first experience uh, to stay without income, and as a lawyer, I prefer to follow all the rules. That's why. Uh, we decided to suffer a bit, uh, but, you know, not to break any regulations. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but, uh, uh, of course, we, we got some support uh, here in Iowa City from Johnson County, for example, to pay our rent, and also from um, church, um, New Song Church in uh, Coralville. So um, thank you. Thanks a lot for that. Um, yeah, we very much appreciate uh, to have uh, some help. Nice. I'm glad the, the community rallied around you. There, of course, I mentioned 7.6 million Ukrainian refugees. Uh, tell me what your view is. Being you know here in the United States, you are able to work again. Do you feel like the United States is doing enough to welcome Ukrainians and support Ukrainians? Uh, yes, I, I can say actually that uh, it was a change in, in regulation. So now, for example, people who came through the program Uniting for Ukraine can can work from the very beginning, like fresh uh, from the boat. They can work uh, without waiting for so many 
month. All right. Uh, so more more the kind of situation that Ukrainian refugees have in other European countries. Yes, yes, you're right. Yeah, okay, it's, so it's almost similar a, here. Yeah, no. it's very similar. And I'm happy because um, I even created a petition to expedite this procedure, uh, which got like 3000 signatures. So um, but uh, it's also critical to have uh, community support. I can say that probably it's even more critical than to have support from the government, but altogether, uh, everything Both is Both are fine. pretty yeah. important, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mentioned your in-laws. When Russia invaded Ukraine, your in-laws were visiting yeah. here in the United States, and of course it was not safe for them to go home. What is their status now? Yeah, so they had to go home exactly when the war started. And I remember that uh, I tried to book um, a boarding pass for them, uh, just before the war and um, Turkish Airlines like probably know something about the, yeah. the situation. That's why they send us mail to uh, to 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 change the, the date. Uh, yes, uh, they're here right now. Um, uh, unfortunately, they still waiting for the temporary protected stages. Uh, but uh, I hope that uh, they they will also have it uh, soon. Yeah. Uh, For them, uh, it's like difficult from one point of view, of course, uh, to stay here is challenging. But to go back, especially right now when the half of the infrastructure destroyed. uh, So uh, this Monday, it was AIDS attack to the infrastructure in Ukraine. And, um, you know, uh, I have a lot of friends um, and we communicate through the Facebook, for example, and some of them created new life event, 30 hours hours without electricity. I I love this sense of humor. Yeah. (laughs) How to celebrate this, you know, (laughs) when you struggle for 30 hours. Uh, But anyway... uh, People uh, compare themselves with the uh, soldiers in the front line, and it, it, it's it's absolutely okay. Even for my parents, right now I spoke with them yesterday, and they have uh, fifty-seven Fahrenheit at home, which pretty cold for for, for us. Yeah, fifty-seven degrees in yeah, the apartment is pretty deg- chilly. Yes, it's chilly. But they're okay, you know, they like, oh, they're absolutely fine, even without electricity, even that it's it's a little bit cold, but everything is, is fine because there is no Russia. Right. Ukraine is not occupied, and I can describe the situation in Ukraine in one sentence, that Russia is losing the war against Ukraine. That 57 degrees in the apartment, though, that's uncomfortable now. But the darker months are coming. Are are you scared about that for your family and, and for all Ukrainians? From, from one reason, of course, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. Uh, however, um, Ukrainian government created some, some sports where you can have uh, hot water, have electricity to charge your uh, electronic devices. Um, but it mostly in the cities. 
-hmm. not in the in the rural area. Um, so our I can say that our government tried to do the best to support people. Uh, and of course, international community, for example, yesterday I wrote an article about Georgians who uh, fundraised uh, money for 200 generators, diesel generators to, to, to produce some electricity and send these generators to Ukraine, which is awesome. And I also know that um, even United States from here try to, to support and to solve this issue. Uh, and uh, other European countries also uh, sent uh, some some generators to Ukraine to, for example, for schools, for hospitals. Yeah, so uh, I can say that my parents um, couldn't complain uh, because, as I mentioned, my father... Uh, try to compare he, their situation with the people uh, with, with the soldiers in the front line, and mm. it's okay for them. Right. For my parents. So when you say Russia is losing the war, you know we can see from here that that you know Russia, the the plan that they had when they invaded has not been able to be carried out, but for a lot of us looking at the situation, it's really hard to see an exit strategy, what do you think the future holds? Uh, the problem is for Russia, there is no exit strategy at all. That's why from my perspective, which is also based on the expert uh, thoughts, uh, Putin would try or is trying to prolongate the war as long as possible, uh, to to keep it in the frozen situation like more or less right now after the liberation of Kherson. Uh, because, for example, in some hotspots for almost 10 months, they, uh, they could conquer only... 12 miles, uh, 12 uh, miles of Ukrainian land. Um, I'm talking about Bakhmut and Svatovo, which is uh, the hottest spots in uh, in the Ukrainian uh, battlefield against um, against Russia. So um, there is no no progress for them. But of course, uh, you can you can imagine how difficult for Ukraine to to defend uh, our territory and even try to offense, which is very difficult to do during this uh, winter season. Yeah, I was just reading an article about a Russian propaganda initiative to try to create ill will against Ukrainian refugees in Europe by spreading lies about things like the, the one of the uh, examples, this was in the New York Times or, or the Washington Post. I now I can't remember which one. Um, but the example that was used was there was a, 
an article written about a U- family of Ukrainian refugees that set fire to the home that they were staying in in Germany and the the house burned down and it was completely fabricated. It never happened. And um, there's a lot of fear that that kind of disinformation could grab hold because we have seen the power of this Russian propaganda machine all over the world and here in the United States as well. How are you feeling watching things like that happen? Um, You know, uh, they have professional liars to create this propaganda, propaganda about the war in Ukraine and about Ukrainian refugees. For example... Uh, two days ago, the Russian uh, um, channel uh, Dosh or Rain uh, uh, was um, the the license to broadcast um, uh, was cancelled in Lithuania. Oh, in Latvia, sorry, mm. uh, in Latvia, because uh, during the program they explained that they support Russian. Uh, newly recruited soldiers. And, you know, it's, it, there is no logic. If you're against the war, how can you fundraise money and support soldiers mm-hmm. in Russia? And it's just one example to add to your examples. And, of course, Russia tries to discredit uh, Ukrainians throughout the world uh, they lie uh, from in United Nation very often, almost almost always, you know. And uh, for example, uh, probably you know that European Parliament declared Russia to be a state sponsor of terrorism, and it's one of the victory of Ukrainian diplomats. And right now, they got. Uh, in 12 countries, they received threat. It's a way of how terrorists do to threat people, right. to lie about them, to fabricate some news, fake news. And it's horrible. But people can, you know, uh, the, best, the best advice I can give you, just don't trust Russia. That's it. Because, you know, uh, even in Bucha, as you remember, it was a massacre. It was a genocide against Ukrainians. A lot of people were killed. And they said that it was fabricated by Ukrainian and American people. Right. They even, they even created a story about some director who came from America to shoot this video, which is nonsense. But for... For them in Russia, for the local market, it's okay. They they trust propaganda, unfortunately. Well, it's I, I, for the Russian people. I can imagine they're. It's very difficult to get outside of of that propaganda machine that they live in the middle of. Um, we only have a couple minutes left. Um, of course, since the beginning of the, the war, President Volodymyr Zelensky has been admired worldwide. Just yesterday, he was named Time Magazine's Person of the Year in, in addition to you know being recognized, again, by so many countries. Um, watching from afar, what are your thoughts about 
his leadership? Uh, I even uh, wrote an article about uh, his ethics and leadership, which was published in France uh, three months ago. Uh, and I tried to explain it through the movie, which was used. It, it was a sitcom, which was used as a presidential campaign, um, Servant of the People, mm -hmm. the name of the movie, movie. And you can even find it. Uh, on Netflix. I have watched it on Netflix. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it, it's very funny because it's like a comedy. Uh, uh, however, I can I can say that uh, President Zelensky changed a lot from just a very talented and gifted producer and director of uh, comedies, stand-up show, and uh, sitcoms to a real leader of the European nation. Uh, I, I, and we can see, even from his face, uh, how difficult it is to be a leader of the, of the country. And he, he's not only the president, he's also a crisis manager. Because, um, yeah, to, to, to meet with thousands of people during the day, to provide so many speeches to explain and there is for him there is no difference to speak with students or with uh, parliamentarians yeah, he, which I like he's been extraordinary Victor Soloviev thank you so much I hope things continue to go well for your family and uh, obviously better days ahead for Ukraine thank you thank you for having me this is Talk of Iowa from IPR News I'm Charity Nebbe